Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters with your hosts, Brett Lindley and Walker Neer. I'm Brett Lindley, and in this episode, we're going to wrap up our discussion on the Blizzard franchise by going over some of their third-party titles and also going to talk about, just in general, their company as a whole. Walker, how's things going? Uh, it's going well. It's going well. Uh, so yeah, really excited to to talk about these. Uh, obviously, you know, we kind of dedicated some other episodes to individual IPs, um, but you know, in the last what five or six years, they've come out with with Hearthstone, Overwatch, Heroes of the Storm, and at least two out of those three are are pretty huge players in the in the markets that they're in. Um, so I think definitely worth, worth talking about. Don't know that there's quite the history with each one of those to, <laughs> to, to dedicate a whole episode. Um, now, certainly if you were a huge fan of any of those, then you, you know, there's endless hours <laughs> to talk about them. Um, and I've played all of them. Uh, but I, I would say that none of them, none of their modern IPs have affected me in the same way that those, you know, the Starcraft Diablo or Warcraft did. Um, but I think that's also because, probably to some extent because of my age, you know? <laughs> well, no, I get that. And I, I think that we both kind of grew up in an era where, you know, the game that you had was the game that you had. It was the only game that you had for a long time. So yeah. you either had to love it or even if you hated it, well, it's all you got. So you're playing it anyway. Right. And, and nowadays with Steam sales and things like that, I mean, we both have pretty extensive Steam libraries and, uh, that the opportunity to play things, indie developers, and and you know just more access to more games makes it a lot harder, at least for me, to stick with something for years at a time or something that's going to have that much of an impact on me. Uh, yeah. There's a few breakouts, of course, but you know. Agreed, agreed. So I guess actually the one I didn't mention that is still in the, in the group is is Lost Vikings, uh, yep. and I didn't actually play it at all. But but you did it's an SNES title, right? Yeah, yeah, it was an SNES title. So I didn't uh, I didn't play this on uh, the SNES because uh, my first Nintendo product was a GameCube. So mm. uh, I was I was PC pretty much all the way up until until adulthood. <laughs> but got you. Um, but I did play it because it was PC. Um, I, you know, got into emulators in my teenage years. So I mean, I was still kind of past the curve of where most people my age played SNES games. Um, mm -hmm. But just having access to them, I spent a fair amount of time going back and playing games that uh, that I missed. And and one of them so happened to be uh, Lost Vikings in Lost Vikings Two. Um, both of which were were pretty solid games. They're little puzzle platformers, um, a little bit of action, uh, some puzzle elements. You control three, one of three different kind of these Viking heroes. Each one of them has their own kind of ability or trait, and and depending on how you combine those together, you can swap back and forth between the characters and go through you know some generic puzzle platforming type elements with a, a little bit of action arcade style combat in it, but mostly focused on the, the puzzle platforming. And I mean, I, I don't say it would like significantly changed me in any way. I think I beat the first one and played through part of the second one. It could be the other way around. I made it beat the second one because it looked nicer and then played through part of the first one. I was like, oh, this is more of the same. Um, but it was still a pretty solid game. I thought it was creative. I'm not sure if it was creative enough for at its time to really, you know, 
there were so many games released on the SNES that it was difficult to really hedge a market in there if you were not a you know Nintendo IP, right? Right. Yeah, I remember seeing it at like Blockbuster, but I didn't really know what it was and it I don't know. I just never <laughs> never picked it up, I guess. Um but I know that it's something that, you know, is brought up with some frequency. Isn't it true, though, that it, isn't it like it's not actually a Blizzard published game? Like they developed it, but didn't publish it or something like that? Or am I, I mistaken? I think that is that? correct. Um, yeah. Or it's at least before it could be before that they were like Blizzard North or anything like that. It was definitely mm-hmm. one of their earlier titles when they were under the coding for other publishers. There was there's actually a number of other games that Blizzard made uh, with other company IPs and things like that. But most people, you know, again, we're talking about kind of their licensed IPs, their more impactful ones. And I think this is one of the the earlier cases of something that this is their kind of own IP. So. Yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, certainly we'll talk about Heroes of the Storm a bit more later. But um, that was actually it's interesting that the game plays with the three Vikings in the platformer, because that's how the character of the Lost Vikings, if you choose them in Heroes of the Storm plays, you actually control three separate little oh, nice. avatars or whatever. I, so, didn't, from... I, I haven't played HOTS since they were out then, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know they were in HOTS. Of course, it makes sense that they are. I was going to mention if they weren't, that it would be kind of surprising that they weren't with their propensity of bringing in some really obscure characters into that game. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I never really played that as them because your micro has to be crazy on point because there's three avatars right. control at once uh and i suck at mobas so <laughs> <laughs> uh, so controlling three is not my cup of tea so um i, I mean, guess I, I, we'll move on oh go ahead yeah i was gonna say i don't think there's really that much to to say about it at least from my yeah. perspective it was fun i enjoyed it i i put a fair number of hours into my snea simulator for it so you know cool that that is what it is but i that does kind of bring us into you know like you said heroes of the storm um sure so you definitely got into this before i did i think i remember you trying to convince me to play this one mm. um and it took me a long time because weren't you were you in the beta is that correct yeah which i mean i think it was an open beta um but but yeah i it's actually i i played it until the beta ended and then when full release actually came, I it was like maybe a week longer that I stuck around, and then and then I dipped. Um, MOBAs, you know, I was I was kind of a late late adopter of MOBAs, if you will. I mean, it, it's probably not fair to say late because there's not that old of a genre, but I definitely wasn't playing League of Legends right when it came out, or, or wasn't there one called like Han or something yeah, there was like Heroes that? Heroes of New Earth, and then. Uh, wasn't there also another one, Realm of the God? Oh man. Because I don't think it was Han that I have. One of them I have. I'm pretty a, sure that's Han. Is it Han? Yeah. So I had a uh, a lifetime season pass for <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, that I got as soon as they launched. That was a thing that you could get. I'm not even sure if they have that anymore. But it like allowed you to un- unlock every character as soon as it was released for like $30 or something like that for the lifetime mm-hmm. of the game. And, and I got that as soon as it was available and pretty much the same. I, I kind of dipped out for a long time I, d- I did play a little bit of league of legends and then a little bit of dota 2 and a little bit of heroes of the storm but i'd say heroes of the storm probably is my least played yeah which is strange because i actually enjoyed it the most i would say well so that's where, where it was for me is that 
you know, I, I had never really gotten into MOBAs and, you know, certainly we talked about this, I think to some extent in the Starcraft episode, um, about, you know, the influence of how MOBAs are born from RTS and, and even though RTS games are largely played one-on-one, at least in a competitive sense, you know, and, and MOBAs are team games and to look at them, they are very different games, but I actually think that there is a ton of similarity because they both require a really intricate game knowledge. Um, they both require a, a really high level of mechanical skill to participate at the highest levels. Um, and you have to know there's so many different heroes that you have. So, you know, when I say game knowledge, not just mechanical, like how the, you know, where you should be standing or what game events mean or, or something like that, but also just simply there's a hundred characters and what do they all do? You know, and you have to have some right. kind of understanding of that to, to appropriately compete against, you know, your opponents. Um, and well, so I, I think your similarities go deeper too. I mean, you're farming a resource just cause it's not a truck getting resources or an SCV. Like you're still farming gold and you use mm-hmm. that to improve your characters. Like, well, and, that and so this is the game. The thing for me was always that like, both of them require, if, if you want to have any level of mastery over it, a pretty significant time investment of just practicing. And the MOBA was always surprising to me because it's a team game. And so like in StarCraft, you can practice a lot. And if you lose, it's because you suck. And if you win, it's because you practiced enough or whatever, you know. Um, but right. in a MOBA, you could be you could be awesome. And if your team sucks, then that sucks and you still lose. Yep. And now you certainly, you could play with a group and then that's probably different. I've never had uh, four other friends all simultaneously willing to play the same game with me like that. So I've never had, Right, I don't think I ever got to four. I think we, the most I got was like three and that was really mm-hmm. only two of us that ever practiced together. And the third one was just like, Oh, Hey, I'm here. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I guess it's not entirely fair. I've had more than a couple of, of friends playing an MMO at the same time, but those are that's a totally different <laughs> game experience. Yeah, no, for sure, and that, and that's what I was saying with specifically to uh, a, a MOBA style game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the most I've ever gotten to is three. Too dedicated. I mean, and and it is you can be you can be good and still like carry your team, even if your team sucks. It just depends on how much better you are compared to the entire enemy team as a whole slash mm-hmm. how much do they suck and, and how bad are your worst players? Yeah. yeah there, there's a lot but, of variance in there for how much your practice can matter, but I, I agree that you can also be good and still just lose. And to be fair, I mean, that's actually just the nature of all team games. I mean, you know, I played basketball all throughout my, my childhood and, you know, until I was an adult and, I mean, the same thing is true there. You can go and work on your basketball game, but then if you go and play on a team that sucks, then, I mean, you might still win if you can make all the baskets and, you know, <laughs> whatever, but right. um, it, you're still dependent on, on other people's capacity. So it's not that it's a problem unique to MOBAs. It's just, I don't know, I guess because in my mind, the only option is to play with pugs. It's like, it's just very unattractive to me. Um Anyway, all of that is to say, so I had, I, I, like I said, I wasn't on the MOBAs when I first, when they first came out, but I had a lot of friends that got into them. So I, I did try and play League of Legends. I did try and play Dota 2. Um, and, and just in both cases, like, I get it, it's neat, but it just felt like way more than I cared to learn <laughs> to know how to yeah. do it, you know? Um, 
And so Heroes of the Storm, that's why it was so intriguing to me, because it does what Blizzard does so well, which is why it's kind of surprising to me that it didn't work this time. But that's where they they take a game concept and they say, okay, where is the fluff? And let's take that out and let's just focus on what people, on the actual fun part. And I would argue that in MOBAs, you know, certainly farming gold and last hitting creeps and all of that is a thing, but... You know, if you watch the the international, the Dota tournament or whatever, the League of Legends Worlds Championships, whatever it's called, I mean, the exciting part is team fights. That's what people are watching right. for. That's when people shout and yell. And there's documentaries made about team fights, not about last hitting creeps. Um, <laughs> right. So Heroes of the Storm, <laughs> Heroes of the Storm does a really good job of of distilling it so that, you know, you've got the shared experience, you've got the shared money, there is no last hitting creeps. Um, none of that, there is no buying gear. So I guess there's not even shared money cause there's not gear to buy. Um, right. so it just eliminates all of that and it makes it, it made it so much more accessible, um, which was, a well, huge and they did all of, they also went after all the things that everybody complained of, which was that up until then, up until heroes, of the storm, I mean, the same map was played on in every single MOBA that the original, Warcraft 3 mod was based off of like there was very like each game probably had their own slight variants of the three lane map but mm-hmm. it was always the three lane map it was still the same there was still a river through the middle there was still jungle in this area and here's the storm was like nah let's just make a bunch of unique maps and we'll mm-hmm. even make maps that have their own content where instead of going and fighting the dragon you have to collect gold for the pirate king or you have to take right. over the statues to summon the dragon knight like these very unique mechanics that are still really i mean at least as far as my experience seemed pretty balanced for what they were and we're all different like I, I think my favorite one was the one with the like the sphinxes and the spiders um could be totally wrong about that i'm trying to remember something about like you donating gold or or webs or something yeah, to a spider familiar. and then she would summon a bunch of spiderlings yeah, yeah. Yep. that would help you and i, yep. I love that map though like and the, and the maps themselves were different like it was a horizontal three lane instead of the like the diagonal three lane right know? and I think that, and everybody was, you know, everybody was always clamoring about, oh, the same map, oh, it's the same one map. But if you tried to make any changes to it, people would get up in arms. And well, and it's it's know. interesting. It's interesting because, and I agree with you that I thought that the map was a nice change, but it is, it is, it is somewhat you like unique to gate to video games. I guess that that that's an issue because like no one complains that the chessboard has not changed. No one complains that the football right. field looks the same. Like no one complains that the baseball diamond is. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's, well, I just it's think it was common interesting to have a standard. The same map was played on all three games. That would be like if st- all of the StarCraft online maps had to match the Command and Conquer online maps, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, I-, I thought that that was so strange that that map style carried so heavily. And I mean, I do agree there is something to say for you know more traditional games like a chess or checkers where the board is static um Mm -hmm. but it's it's strange to see in the video game world i can't really think of any other instances where some kind of like i mean even in first person shooters and things like that the the maps and those are all you know pretty unique and very rarely do they borrow from another game they may borrow Mm -hmm. from an older game in that same series but not from a completely different game 
Right, right, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I thought that Heroes was, I thought that its accessibility was really cool. I love that I didn't have to, I mean, learning the roster of Heroes in and of itself to me is a huge process. I don't also want to have to learn all of the items in the shop and all of the different right. times in which the items are valid or not and, and the conditions on which you would want one item or the other. And and to be clear, again, I, I get it. I'm, I'm not even mad that that exists in the other games. It's just that I don't care about them enough to, to be interested in actually learning at <laughs> all. And so it. this, say what? Well, yeah, to, to focus on it. Like, oh, I, yeah, I exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm sorry. I just didn't hear you. I think I talked over you. No, um, I was just going to. But yeah, so it's like the accessibility of it was it was really appealing to me. And then honestly, you know, obviously, I'm a Blizzard fanboy. Listen to our podcast. Um, <laughs> I, I I was really I thought it was really, really cool that it was that cast of heroes, because that's the other thing, you know, in Dota and League of Legends, like. I don't know any of those characters and sure I can be introduced to new things or something, but I don't know any of them. I'm not, I'm not motivated by any of them, but, but the blizzard characters, you know, to have Jim Rayner shooting Diablo is super cool. Like yeah. <laughs> I loved that. You they, know? And it also, I mean, granted I wasn't as familiar with every franchise, but I had even just a cursory knowledge. Like I didn't play, wow but i knew who uther lightbringer was right right and and i could also know without playing heroes of the storm i could drop into a map and have at least a vague idea of what the different heroes are probably going to do right yeah. like jim rayner's probably going to be ranged he's probably going to have some kind of call down ability or some kind of morale booster or something Diablo mm -hmm. is probably going to be a melee character who probably gets a lightning bolt spell or something like you already have an idea of who these characters are. And just knowing that, you know, that Blizzard isn't going to stray so far from those iconic characters abilities as to break the game. Right. So even without playing or knowing that specific hero, I can have at least some idea what it does just by knowing right. it from other games. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was, um, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was fun for for that. I don't know. It was probably two months that I played it or so. Um, and again, that's the most time I've ever spent on a MOBA, which I get is laughable for people who are actual MOBA fans. Right. Played, <laughs> you know, their lives away with them. I'm more in the MMO side of that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I the. I, I also didn't know all of the characters and even having played Warcraft, there was, you know, World of Warcraft, there was even still some characters that I, you know, wasn't familiar with. And they started bringing in time, some obscure people too. <laughs> they did. But since that time, they've actually moved to introducing like Overwatch characters. So now like right. Lucio and Hanzo, and I, I'm sure there's other, I think Tracer um, yeah, and maybe, sure in there. maybe more than that, but I know several are, are there and that's really cool. Um, I yep. think it, like I never played the Kingdom Hearts games, but I always thought it was neat that there was this crossover between like Final Fantasy and Disney. No, that's a I, that's a really good comparison, and I 100% agree. I, I haven't played those games, but I have always been kind of in awe of yeah, you know, Cloud teaming up with Daffy or Donald Duck. You know, like right, yeah, same exact boat. I never actually had the opportunity to play any of them, um, but I always thought that that was a really neat kind of you know mashup or whatever. And I thought it was really cool that Blizzard just went for it. And I, I'll be honest, I thought that that they were going to take over the MOBA genre because Same. I was actually it's kind more of accessible. 
I was like, I was like, well, here Blizzard comes in to just they're just going to ruin another game series by taking everything that not that they've ruined anything. They've done really well with everything. And I love Blizzard. <laughs> but just thinking that, like, they have a tendency to take over genres. And I was mm-hmm. for certain that, oh, well, this is going to be the League of Legends killer. This is Dota right. and League are both done. Nobody can stand up to Blizzard as a Titan. And right. Apparently that was just. I never bet on things that I think are going to happen. Like bet opposite <laughs> at the opposite and you will make a ton of money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean the strength of their brands though, and the strength of the characters that they're bringing into it. I just thought there was no chance that it wouldn't, um, that it wouldn't be ultra successful. But I mean, it's, it's to the point now where I know Blizzard has like stopped their esports kind of support of it. Um, and I think that the development of it has been massively slowed down to more of a maintenance. Now I can't say they're not adding anything new. I, I don't know that to be true, but, um, right. But they're I definitely know, like, they not investing to... heavily in it. Yeah. Well, like they used to have an, an annual competition and I think in August called heroes of the dorm and it was different college mm-hmm. teams. Yeah. And, like that was a really cool way to try now. to engage esports and like develop well, esports as a thing. There's some colleges that actually have esports scholarships, just like you could go for basketball right. or something. You can go for esports. And there, I now. actually watched a, a college versus college StarCraft tournament that hmm. was pretty interesting. That that's that, crazy. I don't remember <laughs> where it was, but yeah, there is. They they had a you know they had a couple people doing announcing and you know games casting and and had a couple of smaller colleges or a few. I don't I'm not sure if it was. I think it was multiple colleges that were round robbing over the course of a day and, and yeah, just had a big, a big multi-college tournament for Starcraft. And I thought it was kind of cool. It's just so crazy when we were growing up, you know, obviously it's just a sign of time, times changing and technology advancing and whatever, but it just speaks to how new this all is. Cause when we, when we were growing up, I mean, being a professional gamer was laughable because it literally just didn't really exist. I mean, technically, Actually, I don't know when I was actually still in high school if if the Korean StarCraft scene was. I guess it probably was going for at least a couple of years by that point. But, um, but that was only in Korea. And I don't uh, know and, how. And I think otherwise. How, the only. I was just gonna say I don't know that I don't even know how robust the professional scene was at that time. Um, I, you That's know, fair. So, I think there were some like call they kind of like a college scene. They they had some. I think houses. They would call them houses where you could you could get up with a team and, and kind of do right. some stuff there. But otherwise the only way you could be a quote unquote, like professional gamer is if you were like a professional beta tester and got paid to test games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Yeah. If you actually went and worked for like a, at a studio or something to be a game tester. Um, right. But now like, I mean, being a professional gamer to some extent, like if you, if you're really going to hit it, you know, if you want to be ninja, uh, or or someone like that, then that's kind of like being like, oh, I want to be Jay Z, or oh, I want to be you know Tom Cruise, or I don't know, whatever. Um, kind of a one in a million shot, but it's at least it's an option, and yeah. you probably could be a professional streamer, and if you could at least have a modest audience, I mean, you might be able to still replace a corporate job with you know, <laughs> even if you're no, not for a sure. I mean, uh, I I've seen a few breakdowns of like youtuber incomes and stuff and while it can vary really wildly you don't have to have Mm -hmm. like 10 million subs to make any money like you can make a lower middle class income and just survive 
off of a pretty modest number of subscribers and viewers so long as your content is like frequent enough to to bring in the views and friendly enough to get ads right yeah um but yeah, I, I never really went back to Heroes. I think I maybe have played a couple of matches uh, since the beta ended. Um, but in the end, you know, MOBAs just aren't really, really my my cup of tea. Um, and I don't, I don't know, I don't know what that's from. I don't know if it's because it's just a competitive. I mean, like the thing is, like I don't really play. Like I play, you know, PvP or competitive type games, but not exclusively like uh like rocket league is a good example of a game where really the only thing you can do is is jump into a match and and play uh, again you know you could play bots or against other people but that's it there's not like a campaign to go through or something and so like i will play that but i won't just no life it you know i can do it for a couple hours or something maybe and then i'm good and so MOBAs, even though it's not like rocket league at all it, it's kind of in that same vein you know i don't play fps's where you just jump in and just grind you know pvp either um i like it for a little bit but i don't know typically i i don't want to just do that i agree and and i i don't know it is really strange because i think heroes of the storm does fix all of the complaints that i had with mobas as a genre for the most part Mm -hmm. um i still i i I wonder if it's just the issue of it it does still get to a point granted the, the matches are usually shorter and and maybe even more one-sided sometimes. But mm-hmm. I think it's just the dedication of time to a match. Like, if I'm in a competitive game, I really can't take more than about five minutes of straight competition at a time before I just burn out. Like, first-person mm. shooters have to be quick and low-scoring matches. And, you know, or otherwise, I can't I can't sit and play 20, 30 minutes competitively and... And then not feel stressed out at the end. Like, I, it's the same thing that happened to me on StarCraft Ladder, is like one or two games in a row, and that's it, I'm done. Win or lose. Right. Which means more often than not, I'm not practiced enough to win very well, which means I'm losing, which stresses me out, and then I get depressed, and then I'm like, screw this game, we're done. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Um, and that's actually a really good point that we didn't really, haven't really touched on, but I mean that's something else that heroes of the storm did. I mean, it's not five minute matches, but matches in Heroes of the storm. I mean, 20, 30 minutes is typically about how long they were. Whereas league of legends, right. league of legends can be closer to the 30 minute, but, but goes more towards the hour mark, but like Dota yeah. two, I mean, it's straight up an hour minimum, you know, it's those matches right. take so long. Um, you may and, know if you're winning or losing by the 20 minute mark. Um, yeah. Could turn it around, but oh more God. often than not, you, couldn't or, or nobody would listen to your begging for surrender and maybe one out of ten times you shouldn't have surrendered and everybody gets their first blood together and and wins but more often than not it you're just losing for 40 minutes straight yeah i don't think i don't think hearth here's the storm at least when i played i don't think it had a surrender option but the games are short enough that it, it's kind of okay League right. of Legends has a surrender option, which I appreciated. Dota 2 does not have, at least the last time I played it, did not have a surrender option. Oh, really? So then what happens, and again, I, they could have added that. It's been a long, long yeah, time fair. since I played Dota 2. But um, but yeah, at least back then it was like, yeah, you might know that you're going to lose in 20 minutes, but you can't, you can't forfeit. And so then you have people that just start throwing because they don't want to be in the game anymore and right. they want it to be over as fast. And it's like, 
the whole thing just kind of turns on its head. So yeah, it's um, it's really strange that they they fixed everything that I would have wanted fixed in a MOBA, and mm-hmm. yet I still just maybe I just don't like MOBAs. It's yeah, kind of what I, I mean, learned. <laughs> what what I can say also is that. So, you know, for a game like a, a Diablo or an ARPG type game, I I can deal with that control scheme. Um, but for PvP, the other side of the coin is that I actually don't don't care to get good at the little mouse dance that you have to do right. to constantly dodge in and out of range. And like people that are really good at MOBAs are really, really good at, at finally controlling those tiny little clicks to move just a step or two one I, way or the other. I think I want my sense of progression to come from my item drops and my loot and my hero levels than from my ability with a mouse. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I like um, a game that we'd, I think talked about on another episode, maybe, but whatever. Um, Hell divers. So it can, it's not a MOBA, but it, it's a, the similar right. camera view. And in it, you control with WASD to move, so it's not right. click to move. And I think I, I think I just ap- appreciate that more. Like click to move, just I don't know, not really. Like there's an MMO well, called Albion and- Online, the same thing. Go ahead. I mean, Diablo has a lot of click to move in it too. I, I think for me, something again, something like Helldivers has its progression system is external to. Like, like the, yes, each map that you drop into is its own instance, but you're per, you're building towards a goal. You have something to look forward to. Like, if I get enough research points, I get to unlock the next thing, next level. And right. in something like a, a competitive online game, the most that they can offer you is kind of like skins, because mm-hmm. you're not going to unlock a more powerful version of the same character that is then more powerful than what your opponents can have, right? Unless like, it's you get very food. tiny bonuses. Well, yeah, mm. that's fair. But <laughs> then there's a whole money thing. And <laughs> right. I don't know. Um, um, well, and to be clear, yeah, you're right. Diablo is click to move. And, and I guess, and I don't know, I, this might not hold water in the end, but I think that the distinction for me is that like for a PVE game, I can do click to move because of of kind of what you're talking about. Like there's all these other reward systems that are more that are engaging but in a pvp game you have to get really really good at that click to move stuff and i just it's just not that fun to me like i just don't actually care to master that skill um it honestly it's kind of like in, oh go ahead no i think I, I was just gonna say is that i think that we have basically coming at it from different sides of the same coin which is like for me it's not rewarding to get good at the mouse so that's mm-hmm. why i don't want to get good at it because the mm-hmm. rewarding thing for me is my character leveling up and getting more powerful. Right. And that's what's fun. And so that's what's going to drive me to, I will be much more eager to learn how to kite a boss and get good at that than I am. Cause I know I'm going to get good loot drops than I am to learn how to kite an opponent. Because when I'm done with that battle, even if I win, all I can say is I got better at using the mouse. Mm-hmm. I can't, mm-hmm. can't say my character got more powerful or have something, you know, Right. So I think, you know, probably a natural next one to, to, to move to, um, being that we're talking about MOBAs is Overwatch. Um, yep. because Overwatch is obviously, you know, the shooter, but it's heavily influenced by MOBAs. Um, right. I, at one point I described Overwatch, which I'm sure others have as well, but Overwatch is, I mean, it's basically like 
what if you did MOBA team fights as an FPS? And that's it. Like that was the whole game is just MOBA team fights as an FPS. And that's what Overwatch yeah. is. You know, there's no mobs or anything like that. It's just team fights, but it's a pure MOBA like control scheme. And, you know, it's like, well, it's not click to move. <laughs> so it's not, it's not a MOBA control scheme. After so I just railed on that now. for so long. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I just mean like the QWER and all that, you know, with the ult and, and that right. kind of stuff is, is very MOBA esque. Um, so yeah, so I played Overwatch. Um, I played the beta and I didn't buy it at launch, but I think it was probably within the first month that it was out, I picked up Overwatch. Um and yeah, I've I've played it on and off since since that time. I mean, it's it's not something that I just am obsessed with, but there'll be periods where I'll maybe play it, you know, several days a week for a month or so. Uh, and then I'll kind of, you know, get burned out or whatever and, and and stop playing it. What's your experience with Overwatch been like? So I definitely, I was pretty against Overwatch in the beginning, mostly because of the people that I knew that were kind of in beta. It it was like, and it was somewhat, I don't know, it's say obvious, but it, it was starting to happen with Heroes of the Storm, where Blizzard was moving towards a skin economy, microtransaction economy with a lot of their games, and. I was a very early opponent to that sort of monetization, even with skin economies, just because skins used to be something that was part of the game that now feels carved out and sold separately. And and so I was kind of against it at first. Um, I I wanted more. Like I'm I'm kind of pretentious in the like I want more of the same i want more starcraft i want more 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 starcraft and i want all and that's what blizzard's good at it give me starcraft but mm. so i mean i was kind of against you know them trying to branch off in new ips i was worried that activision was starting to get too far in um i did eventually get gifted a copy of overwatch mostly because i was playing a lot of paladins which mm-hmm. a lot of people say that they both kind of it's in a situation where one rips off the other and then claims that they were the ones that got ripped off of first they were both under mm-hmm. development at the same time and mm-hmm. there are heroes that came out way later in overwatch that look and act and function like heroes from paladins that were in launch of paladins and vice versa so it's who's copied who's first doesn't really matter but it's essentially the same game different you know, different skins and some of the abilities moved around to other characters. But so I was eventually gifted a copy of Overwatch by a friend that I would talk about playing Paladins with him and he would talk about playing Overwatch with me. And so eventually he was like, I'm just buying you a copy. And mm-hmm. I, I I played a little bit of it. Um, I would say my experience with Overwatch is much more akin to my experience with WoW, which is that I love the movies. I love mm. the story. Oh my God, I can watch their shorts over and over and cry and well up and just have these huge emotional responses. It just doesn't tie over to the game. I could give a crap less about the game as long as they keep pumping out the shorts. Like, yeah. For sure. So I I would say that I had probably a different take on it. I think it's interesting that I thought it was cool that they were finally coming out with a new IP. Um, I think it's, I don't know. You know, you look at a company like valve where, I mean, 
was their last, I guess, I mean, I guess Dota 2 is probably their last most successful game, but that but that's a you know a MOBA and it's free to play and whatever, yeah. but a game that they actually charged for, like what Half-Life 2? I mean um Portal 2. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, that's fair. That's fair, actually. Portal even 2 is then, probably I mean, their newest. Yeah, and that was what, 2009 or something? 2011? I don't know. Right. It was a long it's time ago. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. Because the first portal came out with the orange box, which I want to say is like Correct. 07, maybe. So maybe earlier. Um, yeah. I know Half-Life 2 was was um was 04 so That's somewhere fair. in that that window but but yeah i thought it was cool that they were were doing a new ip because they hadn't for so long um and while i was so excited for starcraft 2 and diablo 3 when it came out and and i've played world of warcraft forever it's like i was really excited by by titan which was the code name for this new mmo that they were going to make the they claim right. wouldn't compete with World of Warcraft, but would still be an MMO, which I didn't really understand how that <laughs> made any sense. Um, and then that eventually fell apart, and they finally canceled it. And then, I guess, Overwatch, they ended up using a lot of the same assets and stuff that they created for Titan to kind of bring it into Overwatch. Um, I don't know to the extent of how closely related Titan and Overwatch are. Um, right but there's some, some, some overlap there, I guess. Um, but yeah, I thought that, uh, and still do, I think that Overwatch offers a, a very unique experience and, and you're, you're right. I haven't played Paladins, but just from what I've seen, you know, Paladins offers a lot of the same, a lot of the same things. Um, Blizzard's level of polish is just on, on display though. Like the UI just works perfectly. Like there's just, there's not right. weird things that happen ever, you know, uh, the animations are all very crisp. It's, it's a really pretty colorful, vibrant game and you can actually play it on a potato still. Um, I don't know, just a lot of the classic blizzard things that they've always done. I feel like they, they executed well with overwatch as far as the skin economy thing goes, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of torn on that because I'm, I'm not a fan of microtransactions to um, like this is more so in the MMO space, but like MMOs that have microtransactions that can be okay. Like world of Warcraft has some microtransactions. Mostly they're like mounts and pets and that sort of thing. Right. Um, I mean, at this point I think you can buy, you can actually buy a sub and then sell your subscription for gold. Correct. That kind kind of breaks what I'm getting ready to say, the rule I'm getting ready to talk about, but that is, I don't like it. And and this is really more typical. I found in like Eastern MMOs, um, but where they'll, they just sell gear for real money or whatever the real money currency is. And then players buy that and then put it on the auction house for in-game earned currency. And I don't know, it just kind of destroys, even if it's just an illusion of, (laughs) of it being this fair game or something where I have a chance to get these, these, you know, legendary items or whatever. Um, it just kind of, it just breaks that illusion entirely and just makes it feel like a product and not an experience. Um, so that- I have like two negative things on my, on my slant of overwatch, but then I have a really positive story for it as well. Okay. And I think for me that the reason why I was so against the skin economy in overwatch was kind of like twofold one the skins were not cheap they were like they were not five dollar skins they're like 10 plus 10 15 20 skins uh, like at launch 
And on top of that, I think it was also like it also bundled with loot boxes, so it's random. But then it was a full price, not a full priced game, but at least a half priced game. Like it, it was. It was forty at like, launch. What? It was. I think 40, it's twenty right? now. Without but, without but a 40. single player yeah. campaign, so forty dollars with no single player. That's you know still not cheap. And yeah. and having this gonna cutting on top of it, and but the thing that really irked me which happened to me within the first i mean i played probably i don't know 50 to 100 hours of overwatch or so somewhere in there not as much as i've put into other Mm -hmm. games but enough to get the gist of it and i actually made a bet with a couple of friends like that that i was playing with at the time i was like there was a lot kind of coming out about ea having some patents on weird mind influencing algorithms built into their games to try to min-max quote-unquote seemingly random events. Again, Mm -hmm. this is all anecdotal. I can't prove it because I don't have access to the code or anything, but I made a bet. I was like, I I bet that after a certain number of hours, I will get a rare or higher skin for one of my top three characters. Whichever character I end up sticking with the longest, I'm going to get a rare skin for them. Mm-hmm. Just out of the random, like, because you get a few free loot boxes, like, for your first early levels or whatever as you level up. And they kind of feed you loot boxes for free in the beginning, and then it takes longer to level up and, and et cetera, so it makes it harder to get those loot boxes. And, again, anecdotal, but I called it, and it happened that I got not, like, a legendary, but, like, a purple, like, the next tier down rareness level skin for the character that I had been playing the most at the time. And it just seems Isn't that favorable I, I because you want to get the the It the, is, the skin but it's also it's also manipulative in Yeah, but in a good like, way. This is Yeah, but it those that drip feeding is going to run out and you're going to want that same feeling of getting a cool skin for a character like if I switch mains and I don't get rare skins for it, then how likely am I to now spend money on it? Hmm. Yeah, I think because I want that feeling of unlocking the cool thing for the character that I was playing. And if that happens once or twice in the beginning and then stops happening, I'm going to want that. And I can't control, I can't just go buy the skin that I want. I have to do it random and uh, I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, just to to be fair to the listeners, because I, I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, trying to argue with you or something. You and I definitely just have um, just different takes on on loot boxes in general, and and the skin economies sure. you've called it in general. Um, so so certainly that that's a a valid you know position. Um, for me, it's like especially in an FPS like that, you really only see your character at like the very end of the match. So. Really, it's almost like your skin is for other people to see. Um, so it, it, it never was really that important to me. And I appreciated that in Overwatch that you do just, you you always are in the loot boxes for free. And, and you're right that eventually it starts taking longer, but it actually hits a cap where it always takes the same amount of XP to get the next level. Right. So uh, it becomes consistent. And there's, um, I mean, this same discussion does kind of go for for Hearthstone a little bit in in a similar but probably more favorable fashion. And it's, again, why I can't say that it's it necessarily from a malicious intent point of view. It may not be. But Hearthstone is kind of similar in their randomized mechanics where if you don't get something 
of a certain rarity after a certain amount of time, you actually kind of build up in the background this kind mm-hmm. of bonus meter and eventually we'll just get something given to you because it's been too long. And it's just really hard to draw the line on how much of that is good faith from the company and how much of that is they have shareholders that want to make money. Well, but see, and I guess to me, it, it actually, it to me, it's favorable to the player to, to make it that way so that you have, so that you know that if you are buying loot boxes, you're not just going to open common items forever like they will give you like you are going to get something at some point um hearthstone is a little different which we'll get to that you know more in a bit but in hearthstone i actually have a bigger issue with it because you actually just have to to spend the money to get the cards to play now you can get them for free right but it's an enormous grind and you You actually just can't participate exactly and overwatch nothing that they sell actually affects the gameplay and and so you could never you could never open a loot box and it's the exact same game as far as mechanics and how it plays for sure that's fair and again like i said i didn't want to just like just i could just beat up on loot boxes for hours so i don't want to do that right um right (laughs) but and and overwatch is overwatch is a good game and i think that they have done a lot of good things and Again, it's kind of like the real money auction house for for Diablo that we discussed. It's like one small blemish does not a bad game make. Um, and I and I think that one of my more positive experiences actually came completely out of left field. And and I, I wasn't. It, it's interesting how a game can influence you when you aren't playing it. And that is uh, at. I want to say it may have been the year before, but either last year or the year before, uh, I was at an in-laws Thanksgiving and, uh, at the Thanksgiving party, you know, there's a couple of TVs on, they're running sports or whatever. And on one of the, excuse me, on one of the random ESPN kind of channels. Um, and this was early midday. We were doing like a lunch on probably Mm -hmm. not the day of probably a weekend before or after, but, Overwatch was there was an Overwatch tournament running on one of the like offshoot ESPN six or whatever channels, and mm-hmm. I don't have cable, so sorry, I know nothing about it. But it was a like all I remember is one of the ESPNs, and it was an Overwatch tournament. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like this is the first time that I've watched sports and been interested in it on a Thanksgiving. Like mm-hmm. I kind of know. I, I I mean, I'm not like super versed in knowing the teams or the players or anything, but I know that you know more about so it I than kind football. Of enjoy it. Right. Right. And it was funny because I saw other people take my stance against like football or whatever. Actually, I don't mind football too much, but there were a couple of older people there, not like super old or anything, but you know, 15, 20 years ahead of our time that were commenting on like, Oh gee, what is this now? Like, what Mm -hmm. are they doing? What is even going on? Why is this on TV? And it's Mm -hmm. just like, it's just as much a sport as it's a team game. It is a team sport. There is just as much to say about the players actions and the rounds of the game and the random events that happen that throw the game one way or the other and the snap judgment calls and mm-hmm. referee calls that affect one team by points or another 
And just because you don't understand it doesn't mean that it's not a sport in the same way that I may not understand football or basketball and think that it's ridiculous how much these players are made or whatever and want to make whatever comments I have. I was hearing the exact same comments that I would make about a traditional sport being leveraged against an e-sport on TV. And yeah, yeah. I the just thought it was really funny sports... to. Oh no, go ahead. No, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, you're right. No, that is funny, and 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 that is a common sentiment that you hear, um, because you're right. ESPN does show Overwatch tournaments, um, and and that's what I was going to say is that Overwatch esports is really fascinating because it's to and again, you know, I thought Heroes of the Storm was going to revolutionize uh, MOBAs, and it didn't. So <laughs> I'm probably wrong about this too. But I feel like Overwatch is like the first um, real legitimate shot at, at, at making esports a mainstream thing. Um, and the reason is because unlike any other esport that I'm familiar with, where it's like it's just a, a random team name like Team Liquid or, you know, whatever, um, the Overwatch Esports League actually has a... Um, has teams based on cities. So you've got the Shanghai dragons and you've got a team in Boston and you've got a team in Dallas. And so it's, it's more like what people are used to where you have, you know, the Kansas city chiefs or the New York Knicks or whatever, you know, sports ball teams um, that are all associated with the city. Well, now you're getting that with, with these overwatch teams. Um, So now you're incorporating that city pride sort of thing. Yeah. Well, you know, I've always, Right. And I've never lived in a city that has a major sports team, but from what I understand from, you know, hearing other people talk about it that do, if you live in a city that has a major sports team, typically those organizations are very heavily involved in the community. So it's not just that they play the sport. They also do, you know, charity events and, and, and benefits and things like that to try and improve the community. And so you kind of have, if you live there, you, you potentially have a little bit different relationship with those players or with that team, because you've seen them do things outside of just play the sport. Um, and so I think well, for the Overwatch for... teams, oh, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. I was cutting you off. No, Sorry. you're fine. I was just gonna say, I think for the Overwatch teams, they've got to have, um, they're going to have to do that kind of stuff. And I don't know if there's enough money in it for them to, I, I don't, you know, or enough popularity. Like, I don't know if, if, if the, over, if the Shanghai dragons have a chili cook-off, does anyone come? You know, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I think that's the next kind of jump, but I think having it with teams and then they also set a minimum salary. So if you're a player oh, in the nice. Overwatch league, you are at least 50,000 as the minimum. Wow. Um, the teams have to provide housing and the housing has to meet minimum requirements that are established by, by Blizzard. Um, and, and if you play Overwatch as any person, if you play competitive, then you are technically a free agent in the Overwatch league because they can draft players from anywhere. And Ah, so if you're playing, then potentially, so it's kind of this really cool open space, um, that I think is taking esports in a direction that it really needs to go to get legitimate. Um, I think that. Overwatch, trying to watch Overwatch, even as someone who's played it, um, it's still a little messy right now. When they do, the, the problem that shooters have is that to really see the action unfold, you kind of need a floating camera above the players. Right. You need but a when you do camera. that, right. And they they have that, 
the problem yeah. is, is that if I'm watching someone make a headshot, I want to see their, their scope, you know what I mean? Or their, their right. crosshair. Like I want to see them make that shot. And so when you go to the spectator view, you don't see that. Um, they almost need like some no, AI influenced, like, just to know like if something like the likelihood of a headshot taking place and mm-hmm. and be able to do kind of a picture in picture sort of thing. So even if it's a hit or miss, yeah. the AI would know like, Oh, their scope is coming up to a headshot, drop the camera in real quick. If they hit, it's good. If they miss, it's also showing like, Ooh, they almost had that shot, you know, and right, that's a game changing right. moment. So you almost need like an AI assisted kind of spectator view because it, it is well, such a, it's also such here. a fast paced game with so many things happening at once. I mean, in, in most of your sports balls, there's one ball. And if you track the ball, that's where most of the action is, right? Wherever the ball is, that's right. where 90% of things are happening. And right. in, in a five V five, you can have 25 events happening at once, you know? Yeah. And in, you know, in sports, you get some of that, like, um, like, like, let's say like in football, for example, you know, the quarterback snaps the ball and throws a pass. Well, to the the layman viewer, that's kind of what you're looking at. You're looking at the quarterback takes the ball and then you watch him throw it and you watch the other guy catch it. And that was the play. Right. But really there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on. Like True. The lineman, so how the defensive and, formation and, is and yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it can be hard to, to see all of that if you don't watch it all the time. I think in Overwatch, though, it's even harder to digest because there's so many colors and there's so many different effects. And, and there's, you know, I mean, every everyone that plays football, fortunately, is just a person still. So they don't have like a, you know, there's not a giant gorilla with a lightning gun fighting <laughs> right. a robot. Well, and the colors are usually orange. opposing colors and, you know, a dark side and a colored side or a light side and a colored side or something mm-hmm. to where you can... And a green background, you know, it's mm-hmm. grass. So you can see, you can draw on the field with your little, you know, digital yeah. pencil cam and stuff. Well, and Overwatch did that, you know, when they first came out in competitive Overwatch, they they didn't have different team colors. And so it was really hard to see what, to understand what was going on because they would show from a player's perspective. And so the enemy team is red, but then they switch to the enemy team. And now the team that you were watching from the perspective oh, yep. of is now red. Um, they they fixed that pretty quickly though, and, and came out with, with unique colors per team. Uh, and that made it a lot easier to, to kind of digest and watch. Um, right. But yeah, I think that, uh, you know, Blizzard, I mean, Starcraft, as far as I know, is probably the, the longest standing esports kind of scene um and that's a blizzard title and and i think that overwatch has at least the potential to yet again through blizzard kind of propel esports to another level of popularity but i mean you know i don't know who owns team liquid and team liquid is probably the most famous esports team that i know of right. now that, that that might not be fair i don't know actually they're they're pretty popular they are pretty but, big. <laughs> um, but like the the team in like in overwatch like the 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 person that owns the Boston team is the guy who owns the new England Patriots. Oh, wow. So you've got like real big money investors that are like, you know, well, not and, just a guy with 50 grand, but actual millionaires, billionaires, you know, that definitely helps. And I, and I think one of the things that you kind of, you mentioned about like state teams is that even though I'm not a, 
X specific sports game influencer or watcher, uh, when a team from my state or my city or whatever the closest one is, is in some big event, yeah, I'll, mm-hmm. I'm rooting for that team over whatever the other team is just because I have right. I have a, the tiniest bit of connection. Now, I don't really care about the outcome, but I'm right. like, yeah, I hope my I hope the team that's closest to me is the one that does well. Go them. I can give a thumbs up to that and show my support. Right. Like I, I suffer none when the Kansas City Chiefs lose every year. But if they were to win, I would be like, well, that's cool. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I guess I don't know if I would buy anything still. So I don't know that I really contribute. No, in any yeah, meaningful I'm probably way. Not, not any more than that kind of word of mouth way, which is some of it is important. Like if you can get people supporting a video game tournament who otherwise wouldn't support it just because mm-hmm. they're slightly connected to it then there's a mm-hmm. chance that some of those people like the real breakout that kind of in my opinion needs to happen for esports to really take off is for people who've never played the game to then love watching it enough to spend money on it like mm-hmm. because most people not all but most people that are watching video games on Twitch or esports or anything like that have at least played some of the game or a game similar to it right but most of the many of the people that are watching football may not have ever played a game in their life not even like kids tossing around the ball and still be avid fans right it's true i think that the i for for i think that the the thing that needs to happen and i don't know I don't know how that's true. We might be at the stage of technology now where, where we're, we're at the, the infantile stages of it. Like maybe Overwatch is a game that can continue to exist for another 60 years. I don't know. Um, but but that's really the thing that the traditional sports or the physical sports or whatever have that esports doesn't is it's the same game. That's fair. You know, like like baseball you can talk to about to about baseball to someone who's 90 years old or someone who's 10 years old and yes the game has changed a bit and there are things about it that are different but it's still a diamond there's still a pitcher there's still a bat you know what right. i mean like it's, it's the same three bases the same. there's not right. there's not 60 bases and a bunch of rules for what happens it's not like a slurm ball or something like right and and where's with like like even like starcraft where you you know you had starcraft and brood war and then eventually they moved to starcraft 2 Starcraft 2 and Brood War are pretty different games, Correct. despite their similarities. Um, so it, it's also just, I think it's hard for people to have the attachment because like, even if you didn't play basketball, I did. So we could hang out and now I can talk to you about that and I could explain it to you if you, if you, you know, became so interested for some reason. Right. Whereas finding someone that played a certain game just becomes a lot more difficult because there's so many games and they're not that long standing. Um, well, and if I talk about if I only played Brood War and I try talking about StarCraft right. from those terms, I would be laughed at by somebody that knows about current StarCraft esports. Yeah, well, it, or just confused. You know, they're just confused because it's just not applicable anymore. Right. Um, whereas, yeah, so I I think that they're I think they've taken great steps toward legitimizing it, and I think that Overwatch, you know, or or the MOBAs like. League of Legends or Dota, like those are games that have a possibility to stay around for a really long time. Um, I I don't know. I don't know if they will or not. I mean, the, the thing is, is that video games, the barrier to entry used to be pretty high um, because not everyone had access to a, a device that could do it. And that's still true. Not everyone has that access, but it's way more common 
than it used to be. And that's the, I mean, I think that's the reason that sports have such the, the, the standing popularity they do is because if you're a kid, you can go play soccer or basketball or baseball without very much equipment or resources needed. You know, you just kind of have to go outside and have a ball and you can at least do a facsimile of it. I mean, but are you saying that to... you guys don't have phones? No. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, really, there, I mean, like the reason that, so that like football is a really interesting example because football is a sport that is not popular. And I mean, American football, not soccer, of course, right. is is a sport that's really only popular in America. And a big part of that is because you have to have a lot of equipment to play football. I mean, that's you true. could play tackle football or flag football. You know, you played tackle without pads or flag, but tackle without pads is stupid because you're just going to get hurt. And flag isn't really right. the same game. So it's like you kind of have to, there's a lot of money required to even participate. Right. Um, whereas to go play soccer, you literally just have a ball. A $10 and a, ball. And, yeah. And a space yeah, it doesn't of doesn't even have to be a right. soccer. Like a $10 ball is just like a nice, it actually has the right pattern, but a, a yeah. dollar ball from the dollar <laughs> store will work. A, a dodgeball or a kickball can still be an mm-hmm. effective way to play the game. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's like playing on a potato in esports yeah. like is that the low res <laughs> version of soccer like <laughs> yeah but it's it's true um, you, have a, you have a point there that that accessibility which is it's getting better like mm-hmm. a lot it's definitely a lot easier for people to get in and be able to play these kinds of things phones really aren't that far off from desktop pcs other than like screen size and keyboard mm-hmm. like and maybe a little bit of processing mm-hmm. but not very far and it's not difficult to see a world in another 10 or 15 years where there is no difference so right i mean it's, well and can I, I have no idea i assume this is possible but i guess i don't know but is it are there any phones where you can output the display of your phone to a monitor like is that a possibility yeah, that yeah there's actually do? been for for quite a while i think that was one of the like early in the galaxy samsung galaxy series they had a tethered cable connection to be able to transfer to like a TV or something. And most of them now, like especially with a smart TV, a lot of them can do it uh, via Bluetooth and do it wirelessly and do a screen. You can output to another screen and use a Bluetooth keyboard and mouse, or even I've got a Bluetooth controller that I can use for my phone. And there's a little adapter for it that clips your phone on top of the Bluetooth controller. And it acts like a, like a Nintendo Game Boy type thing would hmm. where I've just got a, a full cool. PlayStation two controller style controller on and a cell phone and they're linked together and, and I'm playing games on it. So, yeah, I think I've seen, I think I've seen people using that kind of apparatus that you're describing uh, on the internet or something. I don't think I've ever seen it in person, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, it's like you really, you don't even have to get a PC. Like if you want a bigger screen or a different control mechanism, you can, you can just kind of still use the phone as the computer and then use different inputs or displays or whatever and, and still accomplish that. So um, yeah, that's interesting. So I guess the final uh, IP to cover from Blizzard would be Hearthstone. Hearthstone. Uh, <laughs> so Hearthstone was uh, something that where I got in at the end of beta and actually played after the beta for several months, took a break for a while, and then came back and played again for probably, I don't know, six months to a year. Um, I never played any other trading card game. I had always 
thought that they looked interesting, but I was always turned off by the business model of coming out with new cards annually and you have to go buy the cards and like you know, just a lot of expense. Boxes. No, I can't. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's different though. <laughs> it it's a skin. It <laughs> I know. We just had to say it. <laughs> it's different anyway. Um, so, so hey, yeah, I but sold so my magic card collection and made a profit. I don't know if you sold your hearthstones and made a profit. That's all I'm saying. You, like... you can't, you know, <laughs> I guess you could sell the account, I guess. Um, but I wouldn't because I would have to sell my entire blizzard. Account, right, which has right. My Diablo and my Starcraft and my wow <laughs> and all that. So I would never, um, but anyway, so with, with hearthstone, I was really, it really appealed to me that you, could play the game and earn cards through playing. You didn't have to exclusively buy. Um, And so that was kind of my initial draw to it. And then once I got into it, I mean, I thought it was really cool. And, you know, from what I understand, they do things that you can't really do in the physical space, like hit points on a card where you only do partial damage because, yeah, in a physical game, it's harder to track that kind of stuff. And just different spell effects that carry over from round to round. Um, and I, so, it, you know, it seemed really interesting. You have a much deeper background with those trading card games, though. So, you know, by all means, uh, what's your thoughts? Yeah, so, on? I mean, I, I got into Hearthstone pretty early. It wasn't beta. Uh, again, it was kind of the same friend that got me into Overwatch, got me into uh, Hearthstone. Uh, mostly mm-hmm. because he's also the same guy that got me into Magic when we were really little mm. kids. We've been friends for forever. And uh, so most of the online gaming endeavors, we kind of drag each other into various sources of debt, uh, both attention and monetary. And so he got me into Hearthstone in, I don't, I don't know what the original release was called, if it was just called Hearthstone or if it had some subtitle to it. But the, the first set that came out, I was a part of. Um, mm-hmm. And I played through into... I don't think I played it all the way through, but I picked it back up when the first like release of a, an expansion pack type thing came out. Um, but it just didn't hold me that strongly. I, I did enjoy it. So I, I loved it. it. It does a lot of things that traditional card games either have a hard time doing or are just physically impossible to do. Um, like, changing the effect of one card like transforming one card into another type of card from any of mm-hmm. in the game not just from your deck but like you know magic releases 200 cards in their ravnica set or whatever and you pull out a legendary and every time you play that card it becomes any one of the 200 cards that have been released that set that's right. not something that you can do in a traditional. There are some traditional card games that have like hit points on characters and stuff like that. It's a little bit more difficult to do, but there are some things that just can't be done that mm-hmm. that they can do in the the electronic space with just a click of a button, right? right. And it is flashy. It looks good. Um, it mm-hmm. plays well. It plays great on mobile. And I think at first that was part of, again, one of the things that kind of turned me off is I've always been a little bit elitist about my PC and just wanting mm. to get their expensive pieces of hardware. And I, and I want to get my money's worth out of them. And I don't know why in, in the past I felt slighted if something was also released on console, but not released on PC or released on both and looked worse on console, you know, as PC master race kind of person. And Mm -hmm. and at first, I think I had a little bit of feeling of that with Hearthstone because 
the controls are obviously at least a little bit more it's it's geared to be mobile friendly not saying that Mm -hmm. it was designed just for mobile but it's definitely designed to be mobile friendly and does not take much advantage of keyboard controls it's mostly mouse you know click on the card you want to play and whatnot and it's simple controls which is fine and I think I just had some piece of that, you know, elitism in my brain somewhere. But overall, I really enjoyed playing it. I think for me, the progression outside of spending for card decks, which is something that I had given up long ago, there have been many people many times that have tried to get me to play Magic again. And I have I have bought back into Magic three or four times over the course of my life from junior high onward. Um, and sold out just as many times, usually taking a pretty big monetary loss on on what I bought into. Um, but I re- I got to a point where I refused to ever do that again because I know what's going to happen. And so with Hearthstone, it was kind of it was nice that in the beginning I was able to earn cards just by playing in game. But it seemed, at least for my blood, a little bit too much grinding for mm-hmm. the reward. Because, like, at least a $3 pack of Magic cards net you 15 cards, right? And and right. granted, Hearthstone has much smaller, you know, de- overall deck size and things like that. Still, like, $2 for five cards was just a much harder sell, even though you could do things like turn them into dust, which you can't do in Magic, right? You can sell them for real money, but common cards aren't going to sell, and mm-hmm. therefore you can't very easily buy the rares and legendaries by just grinding for magic cards um Mm -hmm. but you know even that didn't seem like quite enough to really keep me in i loved the hero powers maybe it was just if i don't know that if it was if it was starcraft based instead of world of warcraft based would i have been more into it i don't know i might maybe but yeah I mean, overall, I enjoyed my time with it, and uh, and I've had other friends that have gone back and played years worth of it, and bought into every set, and and you know played up into the very high ranking echelon of the of the global ranks, um, mm-hmm. but that just never really had the appeal to me. Yeah, um, I so I played when I originally played. I refused to spend money, so I only played with whatever I, you know, had gotten from grinding and dusting and crafting cards and whatever. Um, and then I stopped playing and then I came back and my roommate at the time started playing. And so that's kind of what got me back into it. Well, then he just bought, you know, the $50 pack of like 40 packs of cards or whatever it is. Um, and so all of a sudden, and I was like, I'm not doing that. Well then, you know, we would play head to head and now all of a sudden he has all these crazy decks that I just, you just can't play against. Like if you don't have legendary cards and the other player does, like you just get walloped. You know right. what I mean? I mean like that's definitely just... the same in any trading card game. I mean, in Magic, mm-hmm. I, I never played in tournaments because if you weren't playing the net deck meta that was the most powerful cards in the set, then you weren't winning. Like you you were just right. wasting fifteen dollars entry fee to go sit and lose for three hours. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I thought that, uh, so ultimately what kind of happened, so I ended up buying, buying cards and got really into it because then I was able to do exactly what you just said. I was able to go and look at what are the top meta decks right now? And, oh, cool. I have the cards to make that, or I can dust a couple and craft the extra ones I need. And, um, and so I was able to get to play 
competitively with people, you know, just because I had the cards to do it. I think the highest rank I ever got was like, I want to say it was rank eight, um, which is not, you know, not that high. I mean, even if you get to rank one in and now, I guess I don't know how it works now, but assuming it's still like it was, you know, there's rank like 20 is where you start and you play all the way up to one. And once you get to one, then there's actually legendary. And then it's actually just like top five, let's say there's something like that. Yeah, exactly. And each player is actually assigned a number. Right. Whereas like when I was eight, I wasn't actually the eighth ranked player. No, in the world you were or something. You're just ranked. Yeah. Eight. Right. I mean, so the, one of the things like that also kind of turns me off of any trading card game just is the fact that net decking exists. Cause like when I first started playing magic, at least in my local sphere of influence, mm-hmm. net decking didn't exist, right? It was the cards mm-hmm. you had versus the cards your opponent had. Neither of you were optimal, and that was kind of... And you could theme. It was a lot more fun to have your deck tell a story, like all of the creatures are all the same type or something, or like mm-hmm. I had a deck that I called Rabies because it was like wolves, dogs, poison and disease cards and then like skeleton mm-hmm. dogs and a couple of other like trying to keep in the theme of something that would be like rabies right and and those were that was where the fun was for me was building and constructing a unique story that i could then try to beat some player with and even if i lost they could be impressed by like oh cool like i i see what you're going for maybe you could up the power with this card or that card or something and try to make it semi-competitive or at least competitive within my sphere right i would always Mm -hmm. build a deck to counter my one friend who was building a deck to counter his friend right so Mm -hmm. this kind of arms race in your local group and when net decking, like when the internet really starts to take off and net decks become a thing, all of that becomes pointless. Like it just doesn't matter because the minute that one person looks up even the most small advantage that they can get by just buying one card or a two card combo that starts a net deck, they start down that path of jumping up drastically in power level compared to their friends. And if mm-hmm. you don't keep up, by also net decking and buying cards, then you're just out. Yeah, it's funny because it may, what that actually makes me think of, even though they're totally different gameplay experiences. I mean, Hearthstone or trading card games, there's no mechanical skill. It's just a tactics or strategy game entirely um, versus an RTS is, you know, kind of a more of a combination and there's a lot of mechanical skill. But it's kind of like when we were kids and, and you would play like a Starcraft or a Warcraft or whatever on LAN with friends like everyone kind of sucks the same amount. So I don't know if people would call it theory crafting, but it's kind of that. Like, you know, I know back in the day in Brood War, there was a buddy that um, he would like in a match, maybe just build a bunch of ghosts and then try and launch like 15 nukes at once, right. you know, in a Starcraft game. And it was viable because everyone else sucked enough that they could get away with it, that. It, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, but if you go play on ladder and try and do that, you just get rushed and dominated very quickly because they're like, what are you doing? That's not effective. Yeah, six pool. And it's dead. just not a viable strategy. <laughs> right. And so it's kind of, it's it, it, despite them being very different games, it's kind of that same sentiment where it's like, once you introduce the, the collective hive mind of the internet um, and everyone's shared knowledge, you know, people just figure out the min-max of everything. And then there's, there's one best way. And that's, that's where it lands. Um, which is, then 
so ultimately I stopped playing Hearthstone. So I, I like I said earlier, I you know I bought all I bought a bunch of cards and had net decks and was able to play competitive and at least rank up somewhat high and uh, you know certainly higher than I had before I did net decks. Um, and then and, and then they came out with more and more expansions. I mean, I think they released three expansions a year for Hearthstone, something like that. And it just became apparent that it's like, you've got to drop like, I don't know, minimum, probably $500 a year. If you want to have competitive decks. Now, maybe if you play a ton, you can get away with spending like 300 or I, I don't know. Uh, I think um, my friend that well, for a while was playing pretty consistently would average probably about $500 a year. I would say, right. I mean, it, I, I want to lowball that and say it was closer to 200, but I don't think it was. I think they would buy the new expansion plus like, I mean, they'd be as thrifty as possible with it because, like, by buying the cards through, like, Amazon or either by buying, like, a Blizzard mm-hmm. card through Amazon or something like right. that, you could get, you get Amazon few, points. Right, and then yep. use those points to purchase some decks or, or, or cards as well. But yep. even that, I mean, 250 would be really lowballing it. 500, four, four to 500 a year is probably more accurate. Well, like I, I know they're advertising their new expansion that's getting ready to come out now, and I, I saw the deal that they're doing is like eighty packs for eighty dollars, or I think you can probably do the standard fifty packs or fifty dollars for forty packs. Um, but I mean, even with eighty packs, like you're not going to get everything in the right. new set, in, and, and all the copies you need. Well, and the thing is, is that especially, you know, because I didn't understand how this all was going to play out. Um, but what they also do, because the games have been out for so long, is they cycle old cards out of the competitive scene. So all of the cards that I own from when I played in the first year or two years of the game are not playable in the standard competitive mode. Now, they have what they call wild, which is where all the cards are available, but it's just completely broken because it's not balanced right. at all. Right, then you just have infinite um, combos and ridiculous game Yeah, effects. stuff that they never intended to, right. to be paired together. And so it's like if you want to play in the actual competitive, then I, I'm I'm back to square one on my deck at this point. Right. So I would absolutely have to spend a lot of money to get caught back up. Um, and it's just... I don't know. And people will say, well, yeah, you play MMOs and MMOs are $15 a month. Well, that's $180 a year. If I play for the entire right. year, that's not 500. You know what I mean? No, hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, it, it, it just is the trading card. I mean, that's the way magic works is they only keep the mm-hmm. last three or four sets in circulation and anything past that is, you know, there are different modes of play for those, but they're just for the standard tournament play. They're out. Right. And, and even Hearthstone did a couple of the things they took from, you know, trading card games to try to amp up like the arena drafting and stuff like that. Cause that was mm-hmm. really the only tournament that I played in that I even halfway enjoyed in tra- traditional trading card games and magic was a draft tournament where you walk in and you buy like three to four booster packs and you sit in a circle mm-hmm. with a bunch of other people and you pick one of the packs out of the three that you purchased, you open it, you pick whatever card you want out of it. And then you trade the rest of the pack over and that round robins that way until everybody's open three packs and pick the cards out. And there's essentially two ways to play that is either take the rarest cards or the cards that you want for your other magic decks and have a conglomerate of cards that suck together, but you at least get what you wanted or you build 
out of the cards the most efficient like tournament playable deck that you can that maybe you aren't getting the cards that you want but then you win the tournament to try to win the tournament prize right so there's like two ways to play that and i could always just like well i don't really care about the games as long as i'm getting to open some packs and have fun and i'm probably not going to have a shot at the tournament deck but at least even if i don't get to take a shot at that i can take a shot at getting the ones that i want so right yeah, I think that, like, the arena was something I never really got that into, which, I mean, speaks to the fact that I'm a net deck person, so I'm not doing the theory crafting. So trying to do an arena draft, uh, I, I I, mean, I think I maybe won the most games I ever won with an arena deck was, like, two. Because I think you only get and lose twice, maybe three times, and then the deck is over. Right. Um so yeah, I mean, there I was were not, <laughs> the crazy thing was though is that there were like arena net decking tools too, which even if you knew a set in there Magic are, the Gathering, yes. you couldn't pull out your cell phone, and you would right. have to really have the knowledge or memorize beforehand the order of cards that you want to pick. You yeah. know, whereas with Hearthstone, it just says, "What are your first five? Okay, pick this." And it is, and and I I actually will admit that I did that. I pulled up the net decking tools for Arena Draft and and went through that. Uh, it still doesn't because it's it's still not a perfect tool right. You don't it doesn't because, guarantee a win, but well, and not even that it guarantees a win, but it also doesn't guarantee that there's like a combo that you're going for because it's just looking at power levels of cards and then trying to to tell you what the best power level is. And then it, it does account to some extent what you already have drafted. Right. But it's not like, Oh, get these five cards. And that allows you to set up this comp. That's you know, fair. it's not that robust. Whereas the net decks are absolutely right. that's, built that's around their whole goal. a mechanic. Right. right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, so, you know, I haven't played Hearthstone in a while now. Um, there was a game that Valve came out with. <laughs> I said they didn't come out with anything. There you go. Last December or November, they came out with Artifact. <laughs> um, Nobody talks about that, though. <laughs> well, yeah, I was one of the idiots that bought it. Um, and and I think I even bought a pack of, of like a, a set of packs or whatever, right. you know, dropped 30 bucks or whatever it was. Um, Artifact has no way, or at least when it launched, I don't know now, they've supposedly been making changes to it to try and revive it but um when it came out there was no way to earn cards by playing the game you only could buy cards now one difference is that they allowed you to trade cards so you could trade cards for real money on the steam on the yeah on the steam store or whatever through steam and then spend that money on cards and since people can sell individual cards you can buy specifically what you want as opposed to buying a loot box which is what a hearthstone pack of cards is effectively right right? like you don't know what you're getting um and yeah it turns out that even though hearthstone's method of giving me free cards was not sufficient to me because i don't want to grind that much to, to the point you made the fact that artifact offered no opportunity for free cards was pretty disappointing because it's like if you sit and grind for a long time you didn't, there's nothing. Right. I, <laughs> I think still that the only way spot. that that would have worked and even a remotely, I might care about it chance is if all of the steam cards that I had from all of the various games that I had gotten somehow affected my ability to play. Right. Like if they <laughs> no. made the trading cards that you picked up from Kerbal space program and, you know, dead or alive, whatever, like if those, 
affected or could be used in some way other than trading them for 10 cents a piece to try and buy a pack of cards with like well and it so i had that i that idea because as you know i have a very expansive steam library so i have a ton of those steam cards and so i actually went through and started just selling them in mass i figured out a way to where i could sell like very easily through the ui like 10 at a time instead of you know just one at a time and um yeah, it turns out actually they put a limit on you. I don't remember what the transaction limit is. If it's a transaction limit or a dollar amount, I feel like it's a transaction. I think limit, it's a but transaction I might be wrong. limit by week. But either way, yeah, they just tell you like if you want to sell any more, you have to submit basically the independent contractor right. tax. Right, you have to have tax to information. Yep, because I think mm-hmm. I ran into that too. Because it originally it was just it's so difficult to sell them, but I don't want them. Mm-hmm. Like, and no. I don't care. And ten cents isn't a lot but after 10 of them well that's a dollar and i get five per game so that's 50 cent refund for every game if i sold all of the cards that i have i might make 10 20 bucks well that's an indie title so sure right but yeah i ran into the same thing which is like for one or a few loot boxes in your favorite title right one maybe maybe (laughs) maybe like one skin you know, like, but not a high quality. I just had to try. I, I had to I try. Know. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a separate talk. We can argue deep about like. Yeah, we'll, we'll have, have we'll have a loot box right, debate. We'll have sources that we can cite, and we'll make a whole thing. Because <laughs> if you think I'm not bringing sources, anyway. Oh, okay. Anyway. Cited. But yeah, it it was uh, difficult to like I have like two factor authentication and all this other stuff set up for security measures. Well, that just actually hindered my ability to sell stuff and made mm. it that much more difficult to sell each because I had to like go and manually approve each one yes. and enter codes and stuff. And I think I found the way that you were talking about where you could do like ten at a time. But yeah, after your mm-hmm. second cycle of that, they're like, give us your tax information. I'm like, for thirty cents, no thanks right like, yeah this isn't actually i'm not making money no. at this really so <laughs> i'm certainly not going through that paperwork i'm just gonna um, give it back to you so why don't you track how much money you made from other people <laughs> because it's just going back to you anyway i'm just providing in fact i'm an employee and should be signing a w-2 for harvesting money from other people to give back to you because now i'm a salesperson. Right. i'm selling your cards right <laughs> um but yeah so i i don't know i think that you know, the other day though, just this this last weekend, I was over at a house with a, a bunch of people, and uh, one guy was playing Hearthstone on his laptop, and then his buddy showed up, and he was uh, he had Hearthstone on his phone, and his and and the guy who was playing on the laptop was like, "Hey, you want to play together?" And just instantly, they were they started playing Hearthstone head to head. One guy on his phone, one guy on his laptop, and they're talking trash back and forth, whatever. And it's like, I don't know, like I I can appreciate that opportunity that it provides because it's simple enough that you don't have to be super invested. You could do it while you were drunk or something because you don't have to have good, you don't have to be able to aim or anything like that. Um, There's not a lot of Twitch skill. (laughs) Right. And, and they have different modes, you know, beyond just arena. Now they have like what they call brawls and, and different things where they'll, they can randomize your deck or give you certain decks to play with. So that, you know, if you're if your friend has better cards or something, you can still kind of even it out a little bit to just play heads up. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't I don't hate Hearthstone. I just think that trading card games 
are not really for me. And, and to be honest, I don't even think that they're malicious or nefarious in their business model. I actually don't have a better answer. I get that they have to make money, so they have to continue to sell cards. So if they don't come out with new cards, how are they going to make money off of people that are into it? Well, and how do they um, keep the game interesting? Like, Yeah, and that's what I was going to say is that because of net decking, the meta becomes stale. And if you didn't recycle cards out and bring new cards in... It's just because the, it turns out that it's not as well designed as chess, right? right? There's not a million possibilities. And so you do just run into these dead ends. And it's like, and, and uh, you know, before they started cycling old cards out, they would just go back and balance old cards. Well, what that meant was really that they would just take, you know, they introduced some new card that happens to combo really well with this old card. And that combo is too powerful. So then they go to the old card and just cut its power in half right. or something and just nerf it. And that's not fun either because now that card sucks and it's, and eventually you get into this game where, you know, you either have to remove a card entirely or you have to balance everything around it. Um, And that doesn't, you know, that doesn't make sense either. So I don't even begrudge them because I, again, I don't have a better answer. I don't know how you maintain balance and make money (laughs) in a different way than they do now. Um, but it's, I don't know, it just, At the same uh, token, though, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, server upkeep on something like Hearthstone, it's not like they're saving, it's not like player save files are on the, you know, terms of gigs, they're probably on the terms of kilobytes. And so, I mean, sure, keeping that game up probably doesn't need to require as heavy handed of transactions as it does on the upwards of $500 yeah. a year to be competitive. If it was $50 a year to be competitive, then I might be I agree. more interested, you know, and, and I agree. Then yeah. It, if I could, if I could, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, say like, if, if I, I could pay like 10 bucks a month, fine. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> I can, even if yeah. I pay $50 and I only play for a month or two, I still don't feel like, any other game that I've bought 50 or $60 or for that I've played less than a couple of months, I still feel like I got my worth out of it, knowing that it's going to be around and maybe next year I'll put in another 30 to 50 bucks and play it for a month or two. I mean, I don't think that like if Terraria's expansion packs cost like $20, $30 for DLCs, I would probably still eventually pick them up and and not feel like i'd pick it up play it for a couple of months and then be done with it you know just yeah but that's that's the thing though is that with most games you're either you're either buying something that you then have that you can play anytime or like in an mmo they're constantly adding content and and updating it and adding new zones and new raids and you know just constantly changing things and hearthstone adds new cards and whatever but it's 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 that I spent however much I did. And not only do I have to spend again to get the new cards, but my old cards aren't even usable. You know what I mean? Right, like, it's not like they right. just or something. They're just not. It would viable. have to be something like $50 for the entire set. Or even like as, as much as I don't like it, like the battle passes, which at least guarantee, like if you play every day for a month, you get the whole set. Like mm-hmm. or some yeah. way of doing that to where it wasn't just random and it wasn't you pay for an expansion and have to unlock cards. Like you can either unlock them all now for a small fee, or you can play these specific, you know, mini game type quests to do it, or some other mechanic that allows you the entire set 
you know, for your money. Like it has to be worth that $50 for them to charge $50. But I mean, at this point, it's not worth $500, which is about what it takes. Like, right. Well, and honestly, if you actually want to get all of the cards, you're probably looking at closer. to Right, card. right. That's just to get the. If you want just the net deck and you dust everything, you can get away with it for less. Right. But then you're still only going to have a few net decks. Right. If you want access to all of them, yeah, you're paying a bunch. And again, you're going to do that every year because every year old cards are getting cycled out and you have to keep paying that. Well, and even, yeah, it's, it's, if you want to stay on the most up to date net deck, that's every few months because that's every time they release a new expansion. Right. But I remember when we were buying the cards on Hearthstone when, you know, when we first started doing that, I mean, we literally were saying, like, well, at least, like, we'll always have this and it's digital, so I can't lose it. That's so cool. And then it turns out, I do technically still have them, but not in any reasonable sense that, that matters. Well, and you're not gonna you're not gonna have a fun game with what you have because, like you said, the most you could do is play the outside of right. standard where all cards are available, and that's an even more broken style of play. And even if you had a net deck in that set, a net deck is nothing compared to the craziness, chaotic stuff that happens in those unsanctioned areas. Right, right. Um, so yeah, well, so we've talked about Lost Vikings, we've talked about Heroes of the Storm, Overwatch, and now Hearthstone. Yep. Um, I think that you know to kind of to kind of wrap it up and, and talk about Blizzard as a whole, and obviously we've we've talked about them as a whole for <laughs> four episodes now, but um, I don't know. I think that that Blizzard has just made a an incredible impact on on gaming um, to some extent especially especially in more recent times like with the overwatch shorts i think they've even had an impact outside of gamers you know i think people that don't play overwatch really i mean case in point you said that i mean you've played it but even as a non-player you would go watch the bastion short every right. time i mean right? actually as soon as i saw it i sent it to my dad because he's he had had no idea you know like he's an old school gamer but he likes really kind of slower turn-based strategy style games and doesn't stay up to date on gaming news or anything. He picks. He doesn't care if a game is ten years old. If it's a good game, he'll pick it up. You know, but he's definitely not online competitive. He's not in the gaming news sphere or anything like that. And mm -hmm. when I saw the short, I mean, he is into like computer animation though. Like it was a big deal for us to go see the Avatar movie together because that was like this pinnacle of computer animation and stuff. And, and we're both kind of buffs in that sense. So like when I saw the Bastion short, I immediately emailed it to him and then did the thing that I hate and like called him on the phone. was like, I sent you an email. <laughs> you have to watch this. I'm going to hang up. Call me back when you're done. Like, because mm -hmm. it was just that... It, it not only was the animation just stunningly beautiful, but the story mm -hmm. was really good too. Mm -hmm. And and all of the shorts tell a different story. Like the the Bastion short does a very narratorless story, which you don't see a lot. But like the um, uh oh, uh oh, character names, hmm. Ice Girl, <laughs> Ice Girl. <laughs> Widow? Widowmaker? No. Widowmaker's the sniper. Oh, right. She's the, she's oh, got, May. Oh, there we go. I was like, Widowmaker's the spider-eyed sniper, high-tech. Yeah, May. Yeah. So May's short. <laughs> hey, I'm, at least I'm not the only one that was wrong about something there, so I feel <laughs> totally redeemed. 
<laughs> I thought I was going to be the only one made a fool of in that in that scenario. So, <laughs> but May's storyline ha- has a lot of like it, it's it's different in the sense that it, like it's it's voice acted. It has all these other you know types of elements in it where Bastion has no voices and is just a, mm-hmm. a an emotional telling through visuals, and and all of them kind of teeter between a completely different style. Some of them have a lot of characters and a lot of voice acting and seem more a short akin to like a love, death and robots type thing. And some of them have this more serene tone where, you know, it's a more personal kind of setup. And then some of them are just goofy and fun. And I, and so I thought that that was like, that was worthy of sharing. My dad was like, this is amazing. I'm never playing that video game, but this is really cool. And I appreciate it as a, as an art form. Hmm. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Um, but yeah, so that's a perfect example then, you know, of how they're, they're even affecting people who aren't even playing it. But I mean, as far as the, the games themselves, you know, I mean, Diablo, like I, like we said in the Diablo episode until Diablo three, at least, action RPGs were just called Diablo likes or Diablo clones right. in the same way that roguelikes are called that, you know, um, the, the same thing then, with, you know, our RTSs kind of, I don't think they were ever really called Starcraft clones, but they're always compared no. to Starcraft. It was, it was yeah. this the Starcraft killer because RTS right. was defined before Starcraft hit. Like it didn't, create the genre but it did define it and it set a bar so high that it's like is this the mario killer it's the same as like is this the starcraft killer and the answer right is almost yeah. unequivocally been no <laughs> right yeah yeah i mean i think it's probably fair to say that and i guess i don't know for sure that they were the first action rpg that played with that camera angle and as far as diablo uh and that control scheme and, and whatever but as far as i know they kind of pioneered that um at least to that level but with i would say um, in a real time sense for sure because i mean like Baldur's gate probably was you know but it's turn-based and more closely everybody kind of as we discussed there everybody's trying to recreate dungeons and dragons on the pc and diablo is a lot of D experience right diablo definitely wanted to create their own thing their own stat system their own world Mm -hmm. and exist outside of you know a a D and D you know licensed deal, right? But yeah, so I mean Diablo definitely the standard there. Starcraft absolutely the standard for RTS, and and you're right. You know, I mean even their own game Warcraft, their own other franchise came out before Starcraft. Right. So you know they even dethroned themselves to some <laughs> extent. But, um, then they turned around and, and set the standard for MMOs. They did. I mean, and and a lot of people will complain about that. Um, I mean, I just recently started playing EverQuest 1 again. Um, so, I, you know, I'm even someone that likes to go back to throwback old school MMOs and, and and doesn't like some of the newer trends that have happened. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it's it's the reason that Hearthstone's business model works the way it does. It's the reason that loot boxes and Overwatch work the way they do. And it's the reason that WoW is the way it is, is that people vote with their wallets. They, they make a ton of money because people love this stuff and the reason that their business models are the way they are is because they succeed you know what i mean they 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 work well um, i mean it also i mean going outside and and further into places that are but aren't video games they have their own con they have blizzcon like there's enough brand yeah. loyalty ea has a zillion more well-known brands that they've subscribed 
subsequently you know bought and crushed but you could hold an ea con and no one would go even though they have (laughs) maxis and westwood and all of fifa and all of these things nobody would care nobody would go blizzcon brings in thousands of people and dressing up as characters and having fun and there's that much brand loyalty for arguably a very small number of ips oh yeah well i mean we we've done four episodes and there's what seven ips and three of i mean lost vikings doesn't really count so we'll we'll call it six (laughs) we'll call it six but three of those have come out in the last five years right uh you know whereas the company's been around for 20 years so you know, absolutely. Or in BlizzCon has been going on for, I don't know, at, at least 12 years, maybe, maybe longer. I don't know exactly, but a long time um, they've been doing that. Yeah. I don't know. I think that Blizzard has just consistently set a standard for really high quality games. They openly say that if they're working on a game, i.e. Titan or i.e. Starcraft ghost that we talked about, right. If they just can't make it work, they don't do it. Um, Diablo three, you know, even though it ended up not being, you know, as successful as I'm sure they had hoped or <laughs> its fans had hoped, um, they went back to the drawing board on it several times. And, you know, again, yep. obviously that didn't result in the very best thing possible, but at least when they released it, they were doing so in the good faith of like, we think this is the best thing that we could do. And when we didn't like it, we stopped and, and started over. Um, well, and I think it's also the amount of, the amount that the fans hold them to is arguably also a lot more stern than even something like an EA, where if there's fan outrage at Blizzard, it can be so... Like, they know if they screw up bad enough, their fans will drop them. Like, they could end up really hurting themselves if they don't do things right, where, like, EA's fan base is not dedicated enough to have that kind of control, where if there's some outrage, it doesn't matter. There's enough other people well, that will still buy into whatever's going on. EA has a, a an interesting place, and in, in, this is just one example, but like a, a perfect example of EA is is Madden. The Madden franchise has sucked for a pretty long time now, and it, and they have exclusive licensing rights with the NFL, so no one else can make a football game that has real NFL football teams in right. it. Uh, means no one would play it. But even though Madden has really fallen off in the last 15 years, uh, they still have Madden lunch party events all over the, the country. Madden is still a hugely popular, successful title. And even though year to year, you know, there are complaints and there are things that suck, the the Madden fan is such a – well, not all Madden fans are casual gamers. That's certainly not right. fair to say. But enough of that population, like enough of the Madden population literally just plays Madden. Right. Like that's what they buy. That's Whereas they a play. lot of the Blizzard populace like us play all of the Blizzard games. So no matter right. what they're releasing, they've got a target at least at least be willing to accept that what roughly maybe 30 to 50 percent of the people that are buying on launch and that's being conservative have played their other games and expect a certain level of quality and polish. And I think mm-hmm. that that yeah. forces them to stay true to that. And it also shows like the amount of backlash that like Diablo Immortal got or the auction house got, or, you know, there's been a few times where Blizzard has taken missteps and the fan outrage has been so severe because it's such a large group of that base that they have to change. They have to make changes mm-hmm. because 
it's not a small vocal minority. It's a vocal majority. You're right. You're you're right. And I, but I would say that it it still speaks to their character because they are willing to fix it. Whereas you look at, at you know the example you used with EA and Bioware. I mean, Mass Effect. Uh, now I can't remember the, the latest one that came out. Of course, Andromeda. Andromeda. Yeah, yeah. like that was largely derided when it came out, and they didn't fix it. They actually just nope. stopped developing they, it and, and then shut down a company. <laughs> yeah. Um. Same thing with Anthem, the the looter shooter they just came out with. Now, they haven't shut yep. it down yet, and supposedly they're still working on it, and, and hopefully they can turn it yeah, around. But if, but if Drag- the new Dragon Age it. doesn't make Bioware a bunch of money, then they're probably done as a studio. <laughs> Could be, yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think Blizzard represents you know, a conversation you and I have had before is kind of the good guys in gaming or whatever, and and yeah, they're a huge conglomerate and now they're aff- affiliated with Activision, which has its own host of, of problems that people have with them. But I think in the end, Blizzard over time has proven to be one of the good guys and one of the people that, you know, a- as a company, what are you really doing to run a business? Well, you're, you're making a promise and then you're, you're trying to deliver on that promise and people are paying you for that. Right. And I think Blizzard strives really hard to deliver on the promise that they I made. think so too. I think they're the closest that you can get to the amount of interpersonal connectivity that can happen between a gamer and a studio that you can get as a triple A company. Like that's what I was going to say. I mean, like, you know, butterscotch shenanigans is a a developer that, you know, you're obviously a huge fan of, uh, and they make really quality stuff and they have really good interaction. It's also three people, you know, like it's a, it's a different world. It's a different, it's a different yeah, animal. And, and so. they are, they don't have a board of directors that they're emboldened to. I mean, Blizzard's been, you know, a, a pub- public for quite some time, even before Activision got them. And even though they've had that board of directors, it's still at least felt in some way that it was kind of customer first, even though they've mm-hmm. made some decisions here and there that you can say, yeah, that's a little bit on the money-making side. I'm sure a wild mm-hmm. players would have a lot to say about certain things, certain bits of content that were released and the, the pricing mechanics for them. But I think all in all, at the end of the day, they listen and are at least willing to deliver quality over, like you said, just kind of releasing the next thing for that year in a way that most other AAAs aren't willing to do. Yeah, and something I have to say that, and this is not unique to Blizzard, this is true for, um, you know, games at large, you know, you your take on WoW, where you're like, yeah, I don't know, not really for me, not going to be into it, and you haven't played it, is valid, because you saw it, not interesting, didn't do it, fine, not everything's for everyone, that makes perfect sense. And you don't see the hours played on, like, the forums in the same way in Blizzard, but it's something that you see on Steam really frequently is someone will have like 2000 hours played in a game and then leave a negative review right. about like, yeah, this game's crap. Don't play. And it's like, dude, you got 2000 hours. You got a year's amount of, of 40 hours a week work time right. out of this game. You paid at most maybe 60 bucks for, and probably if it's on steam, you know, less than really like you're going to give it a thumbs down when it gave I mean, you 2000 hours of value. It, it all Come depends on, on I, I I don't know. We're we're drifting, but there there are things that games can ha- have happen to them that change it to where it's not the same game that it was a thousand hours ago. 
And, true, and I, and I even though I got my 2,000 hours, if I were buying it today, I wouldn't get 2,000 hours. So I'm going to tell people to avoid it. You know. Yeah. And but I agree that that's There's, not the vast majority. The vast majority is people who get burned out and they get mad because they're burned out. Yeah. They don't. They don't want to play anymore, which is fine. But I mean, even if you get 50 hours out of it, oh game, yeah. I mean. What like what value proposition are people demanding? I mean, we 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 go see a movie for two hours that's meh and it's ten bucks and we're fine. But if you pay ten bucks for a game that you play for five hours and it's meh, people take to the internet in droves to talk about how much of a ripoff right. it is. And it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but I, I would definitely so, say there's not been a Blizzard game that I have invested personally in that I haven't felt like I've gotten my time out of. I would say that because yeah. mostly because. I didn't invest too terribly much into Heroes of the Storm. Um, I bought mm -hmm. a couple of characters, but I played mostly the free stuff. And because I think as part of an early adopter, you got more of the characters like earlier than you well, did. Money to unlock the characters, right. you don't have to pay. That's fair. And then again, Overwatch, I was gifted. But those are the only two that have had even low amounts of playtime. But that doesn't mean that I didn't enjoy them. I still enjoyed the time that I had with them. I'm just not that kind of gamer anymore. Right. And yeah. and certain games, I think I would probably play more Overwatch if more people I knew also played it. I might be more inclined to. But again, it's it's those skill level games where the a small amount of skill change is a big amount of in-game impact. Where mm -hmm. it's not that I'm afraid of losing or anything like that. I actually just don't want to let my team down because I'm the sucky one. And it can be pretty because I've played enough MOBAs, I know what what to look for in who's the suckiest person on the team. And if I'm that guy, I don't want to be that guy. Cause I've hated that guy so much, you know? Yeah. And I even went at one point and tried to find an overwatch team. Um, there's different websites and apps you can get where you can put out what your rank is and what characters you like to play. And then, you know, kind of match you with what people. kind of you're looking for. Yeah. And then people reach out to you and say, Hey, you know, I'd like to play with you maybe. And then I found that that's actually like the worst version of dating that you could ever do. It's a romantic moment. But you basically, you just have to go jump in a game with some rando. And then it turns out it's like a 13-year-old kid or a racist. They only want to talk about nachos. And, yeah, and it's just like, oh my God. I don't <laughs> right. But there's no, there's no way to know except to just go do it. So you just have to grind playing <laughs> randoms forever. Tinder of Overwatch. That sounds like the except most. Tinder is better because at least you get some information. Like you get <laughs> like a profile. Get, profile. Serious thing that you've been catfished on Overwatch teams. That like. <laughs> it wasn't really that I was catfished as much as it was just like I I did that like twice and then I was like this is one of the worst experiences that I've had. I do not care about playing this game that much. Right. Like these random people um anyway all of that i will digress uh i think in conclusion we can say obviously we are huge blizzard fans as we've talked about it for close to eight hours now i think throughout <laughs> the series um hopefully you guys are all blizzard fans too if you've got you know if you haven't checked out any of these titles you absolutely should you can even check out the classic ones like i actually just after we recorded our diablo episode i went and downloaded uh diablo 2 yep, good old uh, games has it one and two up. Say what? Oh, I'm you sorry? can get one and two on uh, good old games as well now. Yeah, you can. You can yep. On GOG, so. Yep, and the old Warcraft games yep. are there. Uh, so I highly recommend checking out the the titles because again, Blizzard just has this this quality standard that 
is is close to unrivaled. And even if you don't want to play their games, watch their movies because they oh, have man. defined, in my opinion, a lot of animated short. Like they have set the bar in realms outside of gaming, and I feel like they've set the bar on animated shorts to a point where I'm almost spoiled. Where like it's it's got to be like a it, Pixar or Blizzard. Like if it's if you're yeah. a small like college film studio 3D animation, it's really hard for me to like get through it. Not because it's bad, but because I've been spoiled by such high graphic fidelity that it makes me cry. Like. Yeah, well, it's just, you know, and even though Hearthstone is certainly, you know, like we talked about how WoW and StarCraft and Diablo kind of are genre defining Hearthstone, it's not fair to say that because Magic is definitely the, the genre standard um, for that. But in the on the digital side, Hearthstone absolutely. Oh, yeah. Is, as far is as that, I've played a few other digital card games that uh, I'm trying to remember one of the ones that one of my other friends got me into. I think it's like Infinity Wars or something. Had some really cool mechanics to it. Had animated cards, a lot more happening on the battlefield. It was a really pretty and very well-defined game, but it just couldn't... It wasn't as accessible. Hearthstone is accessible. You can play it on your break at work, on your phone, or whatever. I'm, I'm not even really... I wouldn't advocate the game unless you have disposable income, but if you do, or if you're willing to grind, or if you don't care about being net deck rank one... It's definitely worth picking up on your phone and just having for those times where you want to kill five minutes. I would say, and I actually don't have it on my phone now because I always have memory problems and it's actually a pretty big game. But um, I mean, I, I would say it's my favorite mobile game that I've ever played, which to it, to be fair, it's not exclusively mobile, right. of course. I'm not a big mobile phone game person and far and away, that's my favorite thing that I've ever played on a phone um, because it is it is designed for a PC as well. So there's, it's just a really high quality thing as opposed to some janky (laughs) uh, mobile only app that I can't get my head around. Um, Well, any other final, you know, parting thoughts on, on blizzard as a whole. I hope that in another five or 10 years that we can still talk about them this way. Like it would really break my heart to see blizzard really turn against their ideals right like and hopefully yeah. that doesn't happen i'm not i don't think that it is i think that they're just dealing with being like no company has had to deal with being the genre defining games company of so many genres and have so many fans and so many everybody every fan has their own idea of what sh- they should do with their ips and having to satisfy all of that and do it in a way that's even moderately sustainable for the masses is difficult to do. And and to do that and to have a big publisher that has gotten a large part of them and been able to stand up to that publisher and say, we still think we should do it our way, no matter how much that publisher pushes. I, I hope that they can continue to stand up to that sort of pressure and and still provide the same content five, 10 years from now, hope that we can come back and say, you know, the 200th installment of Hearthstone and Starcraft four was amazing. Like we'll see. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I, I agree. Cause yeah, cause you know, to a point that we've made, you know, if we had done this show 10 years ago about Bioware, we'd probably be saying a lot of the same things about Bioware right. and now forward. And not that it's Bioware specifically cause they were bought by EA, but Bioware used to be one of the good guys and now 
they're just another in the pile of you just don't really know what you're going to get you know sometimes they do still but there's just no consistency so um well this has been a, a really fun uh series to, to to talk about with you so i've i've had a blast uh this is pick up your sticks guys uh thanks so much for listening have a good one see you next time mm-hmm.